Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Ruby. And we're The Duality Project. And you're listening to The Self-Study Podcast. The Duality Project is empowerment from the inside. We seek to live life on purpose so that we can more intentionally and intimately show up in our relationships and our communities. With a healthier perspective on self-development, we offer programs, coaching, and this podcast that support you in bridging the gap between who you want to be and how you actually show up. Through exploration and awareness, you'll discover a deeper understanding of yourself to become happier, healthier, and more grounded. We're so glad you're here. Something that goes along with this podcast is the curriculum we have put together called the Self-Study Program. We also offer one-on-one self-study coaching and mini self-study courses via thedualityproject.com. Today we're talking about trust, what it is, why it's important, and how it shows up in life, and how do we actually do trust. But before we dive in, leave us a review, will ya? It makes a really big difference in helping us find people who need our work. And you can share our shit on the internet. <laughs> we're at we're on TikTok at the Duality Project and on Instagram, um, also at the Duality Project, and also. Are you signed up for our email list? We honestly really love to do like long format things. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Um, And so, yeah, we keep a blog that we call the Self-Study Pages, and we're really excited to um, have more for you in that space. So follow the blog, follow the email list, do the internet things. And while we're on this topic, let's just call it what it is, you know, like social media is something else, and we are up to... Um, connecting with you in ways that feel like really authentic and real and like easeful for both parties. So like we want to hear from you. We uh, strive to share in ways that like are accessible to us, not just like what the formula says that we should be doing or whatever. And um, I don't know. I re- Totally. You can't find <laughs> us making a bunch of reels. We tried it and we just like literally can't. And so we just have had to move forward. And our work is that we shouldn't be making ourselves do things that make us miserable. That's like a huge part of like the self-development work that we teach. And so we're just not going to do things that make us miserable. And you shouldn't either. You shouldn't consume things that make you miserable. Um, Anyway, the newsletter is such a great way to kind of like unplug from the noise of social media and instead be really intentional about where and how you're receiving information. So yeah, just a huge plug for the newsletter, honestly. Totally. And they, and then I'll also share, um, like, both of what, something that we both do on our own personal social medias is share basically, like, oh my God, we've been doing this for seven years, sharing basically how this process impacts our lives. So our, in a very personal way. So like, do I wish maybe I was a little bit better at being like, hey, this is why you should hire me as a coach on Instagram. Yeah, I should probably be better at that. But more so than me trying to like plug what I'm doing, what 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 I hope to share is like, um, this is how this work actually shows up and here are the choices that I make and here's how my life has either unfolded or felt restricted because of some of the choices that I've made. So really we we do a lot of sharing our own personal experience, not necessarily so that you can like completely relate to it, but so that maybe you can go like, huh, maybe, oh, wow, she's doing that. What could be, what could that be like for me? Or like, oh, wow, she's doing that. And that's what trust feels like for her. That's not what trust feels like for me. And I actually need this totally other thing. So that, well, that is really how we share on like our personal accounts and stuff. Yeah. And we are 
like what we teach is <laughs> what we have developed because of what we've gone through. So really like seeing, I love that you bring up our personal pages. So um, I'm life dot at, no, what? I'm what? At, <laughs> <laughs> I, Ruby, am at life dot with dot Ruby. And Kate is at more underscore Kate. And that's a great way to see what we're up to. <laughs> So that you can see what life with Ruby is like, and also so that you can get more Kate. Cute. <laughs> wow, lucky you. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. If you've worked with us before, please fill out the Google Doc that's linked in the show notes here or at www.thedualityproject.com slash TDP dash links slash. And write a testimonial of your experience. We're really excited to share those with you on this podcast as they come in. Shout out to our girl, Lindy, from the 2021 Self-Study Program. Um, Lindy shares, through the Self-Study Program, I was able to do two very important things for myself. The first is that I was able to really dig into my relationship with the words busy and laziness and found my way into exploring how rest and self-care show up in my life. The other important thing that I was able to do for myself is manifest. I manifested and dreamt and worked hard at something that I knew I could do, but was afraid to admit how badly I wanted. Ruby walked me through how to manifest and it really put into perspective how important it was to me to accomplish this thing. I exceeded my expectations and felt so proud of myself. I look forward to using that tool in the future to give me encouragement and honor my fear when I'm feeling nervous about a goal. Sweet. Yay, Thanks Lindy. For sharing that, Lindy. Yes. We're just really honestly so proud. Go, Lindy. Hell yeah. And I love um, that what Lindy shared really ties into our theme as we're going to get into here in just a bit. Yeah. Let's talk about trust, baby. Let's talk about you, you and me. me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So what's up? We've hit our third theme. So, so far we've worked through presence. So what is presence, Ruby? Presence is what is. Presence is like paying attention to specifically for me. What comes up is like, what are my senses telling me? What do I see? What do I hear? What do I taste? What do I smell? And then, so we move straight into our second theme, which is acceptance. And basically acceptance gives us okay, what is going on around here is what's going on around here. What, therefore, am I going to do? And then now we're moving into the theme of trust. Mm, Yeah, and I love trust as the next theme, you know. We did design it this way. Um, That all the themes are, like, workable on their own. They can be put in a different order, but we we really love them in this order as they come. Presence acceptance and then after you're like okay I accept that this is what it is trust says I give myself permission to I don't know for me it's like to believe that everything's going to be okay and we'll talk more about like the nuance of that but like in a nutshell for me that's what it that's what it feels like to go from acceptance to trust yeah it even feels a little bit different for me with acceptance and trust, which is part of the part of the reason that Ruby and I love sharing our own personal experiences because of how these themes show up literally different for both of us, but that we're still talking about the same thing. And and we're two different people. And that's okay. That's fucking trust. (laughs) It's like, so, so for me, what moving from acceptance to trust is, is actually a way that, um, 
for me, it doesn't necessarily feel like everything's going to be okay because that for me isn't like a baseline sense that I have. For me, a baseline sense that I do have though is like, um, okay, acceptance that this is what is and I trust that I can flourish here, that I can, I can, I'm not trapped. I trust that I'm not trapped, that I can make choices, that I can still feel free to move about the cabin, as you will. Like to me, acceptance is the, <laughs> the seatbelt light being off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you put it that way because I feel like we're saying the same thing with different words, you know, and and mm-hmm. we all have different words or like examples of how the experience plays out. Um, yeah, trust means I love that you're speaking to the freedom that trust offers, that there's like a mobility available. Mm-hmm. Yes, a million percent. Um, So before we talk about <laughs> wow, I'm looking at Ruby's notes and she's written down the three bennies of trust <laughs> to mean the benefits. <laughs> but before we get into the bennies, let's talk about the myths, because that is an important thing. Sometimes that's an important thing to do first, right? To like, mm-hmm. let's all get on the same page. What are we really talking about here? So some trust, I mean, some myths of trust that really show up. Um, um, the major one for me that shows up as far as like culture goes and as it like... I was always told this like growing up is like, um, if you can't, what is the phrase? Why can't I ever remember? If you want something done, if you want something, if you want something done right, you have to do it yourself. And for starters, this is a, um, this is like a tenant of the culture of white supremacy. Like in our workplaces, we operate from that place. A lot of times you see people operating from that place, like, at home, like for instance, okay, one that comes up for me in like, when I think about like a heterosexual couple, uh, they have, this is just like, I'm just really going to give some, uh, stereotypes. What is the word? I'm stereotype. <laughs> stereotypes. She wants the place to be clean. He is a literal fucking mess. And what she has learned is that if she wants the kitchen to be clean, cleaned right then she has to do it herself and so then he is like totally fully absolved of all um, responsibility responsibility in the home because he doesn't know how to do it right but now okay so therefore what is what is the what does that do for us that just makes us heavy and it makes us hardened and it keeps us from asking people to show up for us hey baby okay can we learn together how to clean up the kitchen is there a different way we could organize this place so that we can both thrive in this environment instead of me just always having to do it and and the other thing that comes along with that if you want it to be done right um, then you have to do it yourself is the assumption that there is only your way for it to be done Mm -hmm. that takes all that takes away options it takes away choices it takes away collaboration collaboration there's no collaboration in there that is only well weaponized incompetence is what that is but (laughs) but also two parties play a role in weaponized Mm -hmm. incompetence one person has to and in this situation she's believing that he can't do it because he's never shown up and done it how she wants it to be done. But he's also going, he's also like, you know, dusting his hands off and going like, well, I can't do it how she wants me to do it. So I'm not going to do it at all. And that just feels so restrictive. And there's like an inflexibility from both parties, um, which references back to our, like when we're talking about what is trust and that trust is 
you know, like you can know tr- trust is present if there is mobility, right? Like mobility yeah. is a, a characteristic of trust being available. Yeah. And like when we think about the airplane thing with like the, um, the seatbelt thing, it's like, yeah, I trust the people who are in charge here to turn on the seatbelt sign if and when I do need to be sitting in my seat with my seatbelt on. And I'm more likely to trust that when I don't feel like I'm being confined or trapped by someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when the when we're going to talk about, um, when we talk about what is trust in a little bit, we're going to talk about how Brene Brown defines trust. But like one of the things she speaks to is boundaries. And so I'm, you know, like the airplane, the seatbelt sign being on is a, that's a boundary setting that whether like you need to be seated and have your seatbelt on or get up and move around and that boundary because it consistently happens in a way that feels um like reliable or like realistic you know like under yeah reasonable that's the word I'm looking for then it's like trustable I can trust that and then I'm like down to follow the rules of the boundaries because like this feels like a reasonable ask Yes. I don't feel confined by it coming on. I feel like I'm genuinely being kept safer. Yeah. And I can trust that because they're not always trying to, oof, wow. Something that just (laughs) came up for me is like, is like, you know, parents, almost like this weaponized idea of I'm trying to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. And so therefore then their kid can't do anything. You can't walk, you can't go outside. You can't try doing balancing or anything like that. And like how that literally is not beneficial for the a, the, the parent-child relationship, and then the development of the child. You know, like this, like, I'm trying to keep you safe. Yeah, well, to what extent? For the sake of what? Mm-hmm. You know, just because the other person is uncomfortable. Just because the parent in this situation is uncomfortable. Because they love their child and, and they want the child to be alive. Of course, that makes sense. And also the child does need to develop and grow mm-hmm. via challenge. Mm-hmm. Yes, one of the primary, like, dualities that exists in relationship is even relationship to self but also with others is this uh dance between safety and security and freedom or space Mm -hmm. and um when there's too much of one and not enough of the other maybe we're think we think we're doing the right thing but there's actually like less reasonability for trust yeah and you heard us talk about in the last podcast the idea of like the the river of integration you know this is like the sh- structure versus chaos. Same thing here. Safety versus freedom. You know, how how can actually both of those exist mm-hmm. instead of either one or the mm-hmm. other? Yeah. Yeah. And that our own fluidity with life and like, yeah, right in that river of integration then creates a container for meaningful trust to happen intrapersonally, interpersonally. Yeah. Okay, Ruby, that moves us perfectly into the next myth. What I want you to talk yeah, about. Yeah, the myth. next myth of trust. Um, yeah, so something that I really notice about the use of the word trust is that I hear it a lot when people reference their relationship to a significant other. Like, I would say that a lot of people, if you ask, like, what's an important quality of your significant relationship – people say like trust you know you gotta there's gotta be mm-hmm. trust in the relationship gotta be able to trust you and yeah. what they really okay trust is obviously important but like what they really mean in that moment is don't cheat on me 
don't leave me, mm-hmm. don't disappoint don't me, me, don't, don't abandon me. me. Yeah. Um, All of those are very tender Very things. tender. Of course we don't want that to happen. And? And? <laughs> <laughs> and so we put on the seatbelt sign all of the time. You better stay close to me. You better hang out yeah. with me. You better like and me. Then, you better like me all the time. And then we do that to someone, and then that's very restrictive, and it doesn't feel like, you know, it not even feel like. They don't get to be, and like... Or have autonomy as a person in the dynamic. Totally. And it's the same situation that you were talking about with, like, the kitchen needing to be cleaned. Except a different circumstance with a different um, set of qualifiers. But, like, the same scenario, right? It's like, I need you to be this way. And then that person feels the pressure of that. And then what really ends up happening is that there's, like, there's no real trust that's been built. It's just... um blindly following a set of rules that's based in a fear of some past wound and it happens on like both sides of the both sides of the coin right like both sides of the relationship and maybe it's happening on both sides at the same time but then it's like it's a false sense of trust um and we think Mm -hmm. that when we say i need to be able to trust someone like that's coming with the definition of my idea of right often and that's not what like that's not what we're talking about when it comes to trust today um but i think like colloquially and like in our culture that is the norm that it's like i need to be able to trust you and what that means is that i need you to follow all these rules of relationship that Mm -hmm. i have decided um make me happy keep me safe and are like good and proper expressions of relationship Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and like culturally we've set out a lot of things that say this is how you do this this is how you do monogamy this is how you do uh one-to-one relationships they look like this here's the people in them here's how you do it here's you know then then you go off and you have kids and what that and and there is there is a benefit to things that like as a society we've set out Mm -hmm as rules because then then every single time we're not having to go okay let's start at square one because it's like maybe we have some you know societal rules like for instance i don't know you go into public you go into a coffee shop here's a good one you go into a coffee shop it to me is um pretty reasonable for me to expect in a coffee shop where a bunch of people are working that if you are on the phone you're kind of like talking to your person like this. You're going like, yeah, thank you so much for calling, blah, 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 blah. Because there are fucking other people around here and we are being respectful. Like you don't come in and you take out like all the energy out of the room because that's not what coffee shops are for. Go get a shared office space that is, you know, I don't know, go somewhere else. The coffee shop is not for that. There are a bunch of other people here. That's a rule that, I don't know, nobody's ever told me that, but I've just kind of sensed that. You kind of sense it, or, you know, for heaven forbid, there's the guy on the phone and he's being way too loud and somebody next to you is like, damn, I wish that guy would shut the fuck up. And you're like, totally. So those, that's like an example of like a respectful societal rule to me. However, when, when we do that with each other in relationship, that, because we are human beings... We do not all want the same things out of a relationship. We do all we do not all have the same needs in a relationship. We do not all have the same goals. And so when we when we just do what the rules say to do, 
I would argue most of us won't be feeling good. Mm. We'll be feeling trapped. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if perhaps that sense of feeling trapped is why the divorce rate is so Mm -hmm. high. Mm -hmm. Because instead of navigating this particular situation, this particular relationship with dialogue, with nuance, with asks, with adjustments, with collaboration then yeah, if we're not doing that, ultimately it just feels suffocating mm-hmm. and stuck. Yeah. Um, I think like the word trust <clears throat> gets weaponized as a characteristic of relationships that is desired and it gets used as a, a promise that you won't ever change and that this dynamic will never change. Um, mm-hmm. And like you're speaking to like, yeah, like I have a different um, maybe I have a different set of desires for a relationship than you do, right? And we should be allowed to, like, navigate that in our relationship together and also in our, like, respective separate romantic partnerships or whatever. But at the same time, too, even a relationship that's on the same terms and, like, has decided that is going to change over time, right? And so, like, this idea that the word trust means... I think it gets taken on to mean as like fixed. Um, mm-hmm. This is yeah. it. This is what I promised to be yeah. from today and for forever more. Yeah, like I recently got married, and I think like something that you know, like a traditional marriage ceremony. To me, a lot of the vows or whatever, like especially the um, the ring promises of like for richer, for poorer, as long as we both shall live, whatever, whatever. It's basically just, like, ways of saying, like, I promise to love you with no definition of the word, but, like, I promise to Mm -hmm. be here forever no matter what. And it has, like, no conversation around, like, yeah, like, what that really means, right? And so it feels like it's kind of just, like, you can trust me to be around, Give me the imagery of like a three-legged race. Right? You have to tie one of your legs to somebody else, and then like you don't, you can't find your balance quite right because you're always fucking tethered to this other person. But like, how incredible of a base is it actually when both people feel grounded mm-hmm. in and feel like they can move? Like, think about all the field coverage you'd get mm-hmm. in a situation like that. You totally. know, like cool. Yeah, yeah, and I think like, yeah, I'm just saying the same thing over and over. But I, I just want to call attention to the fact that the definitions and the weight that we give words matters and like what we're talking about Mm -hmm. today when we talk about trust is the antithesis of this kind of normalized uh casual characteristic of trust that that I don't know like we pick up on or we're taught and really it's just coming from that like wounded fear place of like I don't want to be left abandoned or like rejected but that that isn't trust at all. It's totally. just restriction and it yeah. leads to more disconnection. And what trust really is meant to be is a tool of deeper intimacy and connection. Yeah, a million percent. So another myth of trust for for me personally is like I grew up uh, being told that I'm too trustworthy. So there was both the idea for me that um, like, There was a lot of, you need to trust authority. And then coupled with that, though, was you're too trusting. Mm. 
And in both of those situations, what is absent for me is the wisdom of my own body. And so part of what, part of a necessary part of trust is that there is the, there is at least that we're practicing going like, who am I in this situation? What do I think about this thing? Like it's the discernment. Um, one time I went to Tanzania and I like had all this shit and I was at the airport. My friend was supposed to come pick me up, but like I hadn't heard from them. I didn't have any Wi-Fi, no cell phone service. You know, I was kind of like, oh my God, it was like an hour after my flight had landed. And I was thinking to myself, like fucking A, I'm, I'm stranded at this airport. Like what the hell should I do? And so this guy, the local guy like walked over to me and he was like, Hey, like, are you stranded? Do you need a taxi? And I was like, well, no, I don't need a taxi because I don't know where to go. And he was like, well, listen, there's a pole in the parking lot. And if you want to leave all your stuff here with me, you can. And you can go stand over by the pole in the parking lot because it gets Wi-Fi out of there. And I was like, my initial reaction was like, no, (laughs) this is me, a young white girl going to a different continent being like, you know, like, I don't know, girl have some wisdom right and so my initial reaction was like no and then I and then coupled with that though was like well I do need to have wi-fi and like what is this guy what's he gonna do to me you know he's he's only just walked over and been like hey I see that you don't have a car here like do you need some help you could go stand by that pole that's where the wi-fi comes out of and so the I could have either trusted the narrative that's like somebody's always trying to get you or I can go I wonder if this person is actually trying to help me. Mm. So I took my shit that was important, like my passport, <laughs> you know, I took my backpack of stuff, but I did leave like a major giant suitcase over there, but that didn't have anything of any value in it. So if he was going to steal my stuff, what he was going to get was like my jeans, you know, and I went over to that pole and damn, it sure as hell did have Wi-Fi coming out of it. And I was able to get it coming out of it. And, like, and yeah right like I don't yeah and like don't ask me how it works because that's not the point and that's not anything that I need that's not my business (laughs) and every time I tell that story I start with like well and then he told me to go over there and stand by the pole because wi-fi comes out of it and everybody is always like no way but like I kind of trusted the instinct that I had in my body that said we'll try it like what's the worst thing that could happen but it but it wasn't it, w- it was also alongside the instinct that said, make sure you take your fucking passport with you in case somebody's in a other, in this country is trying mm-hmm. to rob you, which, of course, he wasn't trying to do. But also, you know, I, I don't know about your experience, Ruby, but a lot of my like traveling overseas experience, people like to tell me, make sure you stay safe, protect your shit. People are coming for you. And... My literal lived experience is actually that that is not the truth at all. People are actually literally everywhere I've been trying to help me if I can let them. And I think like the discernment that you're speaking to creates that experience. Um, I was in South Africa and I was with a group of people and we kind of had like a vehicle that held, I don't know, like 15 people or whatever. And we parked and went into this like little market area, whatever, whatever. And like same thing, you know, like some people chose to like leave their stuff on the bus, but I didn't have a lot of stuff with me 
but I was definitely like keeping my passport with me. Anyway, it turns out the van got broken into, people lost their passports, Mm -hmm. right? And so it's like having the Mm -hmm. discernment and what I love that that speaks to is um, you and having trust, developing trust with yourself and then being in the practice of trust with others, but Mm -hmm. having the foundation of the trust with yourself that for me going back, that creates that sense of like, it's going to, I'm going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Cause like I, I trust my experience with myself is that like, I am trustworthy and we're going to be okay. And so then I can, um, the image that's coming to mind is like the holding things with an open palm. And so like you in that experience, what I hear is like, you were like, okay, I trust myself to like have my passport on me. Cause I just got here and I'm supposed to be here. And then I want to get home eventually, but I'm going to hold this experience with like an open palm and like, yeah, there's actually like pretty low risk involved because I don't have to hold on to my shit like it defines me or like I would be lost without my jeans. Um, And also I kind of, I like do need help. This is like, oh my gosh, it's like the story. Yeah, I do need help. It's like the story. (laughs) I do legitimately need help. (laughs) The story of the um, Good Samaritan or like, uh, or like I feel like people tell the story about you being in a boat, you know, and, and, uh-huh. And they're like, the one, oh, yeah. the person yeah, comes, totally. you're like, I'm stranded on a boat. And then someone comes by and they're like, mm. hey, they're like a fisherman. And they're like, hey, I see, like, maybe you're stranded. Do you want some help? And you're like, no, God's going to come get me or whatever. And then that happens mm. like a few more times. And then, I don't know, mm-hmm. you die and go to heaven. I think the story goes. And then you're like, God, you never came yeah. for me. And he's like, I sent three people. <laughs> and you rejected all of the help. And you were just chilling. So Yeah, it's just like that. And so I guess with like the myths of trust, like something that we're getting two that you've probably heard us speak to before and we will speak to over and over is like knowing what your personal definition of something is so that you can actually know if like what you've been taught about it or like what the typical experience that you like see played out is true for you or not totally and what are the benefits of that you know like what are the benefits of defining trust for yourself and then practicing it you mean the bennies what are those bennies you mean it's time to talk about the bennies of trust yes okay well um can i share a conversation that i literally just had with a friend at lunch okay so she's in a situation a friend of her is exploring something new um she said she offered an opening in front of someone else about this thing that this person it, that her friend is exploring that's new. She offered basically, she said in kind of like a roundabout way, basically like, do you want to say that other thing now that you're kind of afraid to say? But she said it, you know, in a very, it was gentle and it was, it was easily able to be passed mm-hmm. over. Well, the friend shared with her, um, you know, hey, you kind of need to check yourself on asking me questions like that. Um, because, yeah, because I didn't like it. And then this friend was, the friend who had originally said the thing, she was going like, she just immediately, it felt awful for her because of course she didn't want her friend like that. What she wanted was to provide like a gentle opening. And she was like, but then I went down this thing of like overly apologizing to her because what I don't want to do is like harm her. And one thing that we like picked Mm. apart together is like, I was like, would you sit have would you say that again though? Would you provide that opening for her again? And she was like, honestly, yeah, because like I want her to feel like she can say this thing and be open about this thing. It's part of her that I love that I want 
for her to be able to like live into. So part of her reason for saying what she said was in hopes to like create an opening for this, for her friend to get validated. And the friend instead said, this is a thing that you need to look at and what trust. And so my friend was sharing that she went down this like rabbit hole of like shame and like, I feel bad. And like, is it a bad thing that I do that? Am I causing harm? And we really talked about like the difference between like a having your feelings hurt and then b legitimately being harmed I think we do a lot of like overstatement of Mm. harm is it actually harm or was it just an uncomfortable opening and and part of what we got to like in exact relation to trust was that she was like I actually trust myself to do the thing that is yes maybe challenging but also is an opening like for myself and for the people around me and something that I love about her as my friend is that I also always trust her to ask those kinds of questions and to give me that kind of space and to me it is kind of it feels like luxury for me in fact to be friends with somebody like her who asks those kinds of questions like hey well that thing you haven't wanted to talk about would you like to bring that up now because it feels relevant um and so she was able to come so one of one of the first bennies that Ruby's down <laughs> is that like you have like less anxiety when you're when there's trust there's less anxiety and also there's less shame mm-hmm. and so what what once we kind of got to talking about it all of that stuff inside her that said like wow I'm bad or ew I did a bad thing um, for a friend or like ew I caused harm or whatever she was able to go like oh wow. Actually, what I can acknowledge is that, yes, she is asking me not to have asked a question like that. And so I hear that. Um, And also what I'm hearing is that, like, she wasn't comfortable by the question. She wasn't harmed, Mm -hmm. though. She was not harmed in the the asking of the question. Um, And actually, she was able to come around to a space of, like, wow, I'm actually really proud of the way that I'm able to hold space for my friends and, like, invite them into that. And what I hope is that, like, I'm a safe place Mm -hmm. for that. And even though this other friend didn't want to, ultimately didn't want to have that conversation, which is fine. Um, But that to me is like, we do a lot of like, um, oh, you hurt my feelings. And so you've done something wrong. So now I need you to apologize to me. And it's like, okay, I am sorry that I hurt your feelings. And to honestly, I would say that Mm -hmm. again. Yeah. I would say that again, not with the intention of hurting your feelings, but continually to invite this opening. And that's who I want to be in the world. This is big. This is a. This is mm-hmm. bigger to me than you having hurt feelings because I'm okay with being with your hurt feelings and I love you and I don't want your feelings to hurt and I want more mm-hmm. for you in this thing and I want to do it together. Yeah, and and I hear you saying how your friend was very clear about like or got clear about what was true for her and I something that I came mm-hmm. across when I was um, kind of like making some notes that we had in our self-study program notes is uh i'm pretty sure you wrote this and i just love it if you're honest about what's real for you shame can't exist because what's true is just neutral unless we make it something else oh yeah i do love Mm -hmm. that if you're honest about what's real for you shame can't exist because what's true is just neutral unless we make it something else yeah yeah and like and mm-hmm. like the way that um being honest with ourselves is like a bomb like even like i don't know 
when I say that, I feel like I can feel it wash over me and that feels like more mm-hmm. ease and more peace and like um, like the anxiety gets to like ebb because I'm not always, okay, so like not always like on edge about like making other people happy. So I think like in the, in the mm-hmm. self-development, like wellness pocket, um, we've taken like, like you said, like we use the word harm like out of context when it's maybe just like discomfort or confrontation and we've taken um we've taken our own like discomfort with confrontation and turned it into like okay well I'll be confrontational but then it's like uh about everything and like getting blown out of proportion does that make sense and so it's still like a it's still like a defensive coping mechanism because it's it's not like vulnerable or connected it's literally just another way of not having the conflict Yup. A million percent. You know, and, and I will share, like, that's part of the reason that Ruby and I share the way that we share on the internet. So instead of, like, coming from a place of, like, we're teaching you how to do a self-study practice, what we, what we really believe is that we're not doing it for you. We're offering a container for you to do it in. And so, yeah, there there will be conflict with us. Throughout the program, there will be internal conflict for you, maybe conflict with other people, but like that's part of the practice of it. That's part of like creating this container that's like, okay, there's going to be some challenge in here. And it's like, yes, because there's challenge out in the world. And if we can create these little nuggets and relationships where we can practice these harder things and practice and reinforce this sense of trust then as we kind of move away from ourselves a little bit out into the world, for instance, I was in this coaching program recently and I had to do a lot of re-navigating trust with myself over and over um, because it wasn't one of my like well-known containers of people. It was all new people, all new facilitators, everything was new. And so I had to go like, ooh, you know, having those moments of trust and having to renegotiate those with the facilitators kind of regularly. And so, yeah, The idea is that you take this work out into your life, not that we are doing it for you or the way that you take it and use it in your life will look Mm. the same as ours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is why there's no like promised uh, tangible outcome like on, you know, like we can't be like, oh, we love to have a tangible (laughs) We can't be like, you know, you'll get that. you'll get that standing desk you've been wanting and you'll get to go to Bali or like whatever, you know, but like. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the self-study project where you afterwards will book that trip to Bali and you will buy that standing desk from Amazon. (laughs) But what we can speak to are the bennies of the program um, and of each theme. And so like, we've already mentioned and the next benefit that we've like pointed to is having more ease in your life which I don't know there was a time when I didn't have a lot of ease in my life and I didn't even know like what that would mean and I kind of thought I was like fine without what that meant yeah girl because like the hustle is the opposite of ease but we were crushing the hustle so it's like but but we're doing great Technically, <laughs> it, in in regards to productivity and the hustle, yes. However, in our actual day-to-day lives, I mean, very little. Very ease. little. And, like, 
what we can speak to, what I, what I can speak to from the practice of trust is that, yeah, there is room for more ease. And then that starts to like unfold. Um, and more ease meaning that I personally have more downtime where I'm not just like bored and wondering what I should even do with it, but like where I'm like doing things that I enjoy and on purpose. And I'm like, um, fulfilling my own need of like creativity and ease can also look like saying what you need to say in the moment as situations Mm -hmm. arise without having that sense of overanalyzing or overthinking that you can like really be present with the people that you're with, with the circumstances that you're in. And therefore like, what that means is that you get to authentically express yourself like you get to like be yourself in those moments Mm -hmm. instead of like curating how you should be in that scenario yep or instead of like what my pattern is is that I will just be quiet Mm -hmm. I just won't say anything and then and then the and then the problem with that and the problem with not expressing yourself in whatever the form is um is that you still have to deal with it. So like, yeah, you don't get to express it in the moment, but then you, I don't know, you feel anxious about it. You're mulling it over for, I don't know, years maybe. (laughs) Literally fucking years with people. You know, like it sticks around in some way until we're able to express that thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think like specifically with expression, and we'll just keep coming back to this, but like building and practicing trust with yourself is the foundation to then being able to hold your experiences with others with an open palm and practice that trust in action from um and it is from like the inside out so like you practice trust with yourself and then like your innermost circle gets the part you know like gets your trust and then and then eventually you're like um it's like a spiral outward and then you're in Tanzania and a stranger is like, I will watch your suitcase. There's a pole with Wi-Fi in it. Mm-hmm. There's a pole over there. And you say, okay. And you're like, I weirdly <laughs> believe you. <laughs> I don't know and, why, my friend, but I totally and believe you. Thanks for watching this That is an experience of less anxiety, more ease. Mm-hmm. Trust. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, there's also the part, there is an important, everything about the self-study program and everything about the work that we do, I just want to name, has a really important spiritual element to it. Whatever spirituality looks like for you, and I even sometimes find my way, like, um, I find myself, like, not touching on the idea of spirituality sometimes because it feels like such a charged thing for all of us and so sometimes I'm like oh don't talk about it and then I'm like no fuck that yeah it's a fucking spiritual practice to go I trust that the sun is going to come up tomorrow I trust that I'm going to wake up tomorrow and will be able to make a choice I trust that that flower that I planted will bloom and produce a tomato so that I can feed my family with it you know like we do all these things all the time where we trust the nature of mm-hmm. things but then when it comes to trusting the nature of ourselves and our bodies and our senses we don't we don't trust those things and it's because we're taught not to trust those things it's not natural that we don't trust mm-hmm. those things we are taught not to tr- trust those things and so what ruby and i are inviting you to do is to trust mm-hmm. yourself 
Like, why is this sensation that says I need to pee? We generally <laughs> always believe that one. Nobody has ever said to me like, "Wow, I really think that I need to pee," and then they're and then they go, mm, "Must not be that." <laughs> You know, but like, for instance, hunger, on the other hand, because we live in a society that is that has all this like anti fat bias and we do all of these things to make it seem like fat is a bad thing. So then what we do with hunger cues, so like you're in your body and maybe you kind of start to get a headache and then you're like, damn, I think I might be hungry, which like we literally all have to eat. It's part of what all living things have to have. Um, but then we go, hmm, maybe I just need a big um, breath of fresh air. <laughs> and it's like, no, I can tell the difference between when I need a big breath of fresh air and when I need a fucking sandwich. <laughs> you know, and like, I don't, I kind of don't mean to be laughing about it, but it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous when you really think about it. How silly that we've been taught not to trust ourselves. Well, it really is because like the third benefit that we have listed is more consistency and like what all the things that you just mentioned that like we naturally are meant like we're uh we come by trusting them quite naturally the things of nature right like um that the sun's gonna come up tomorrow that i'm gonna get hungry again because like literally all living Mm. things have to consume to -hmm. survive everybody poops yeah um (laughs) that those things are already (laughs) consistent and so by practicing trust you get to reap the benefits of that consistency that already exists does that make sense and then your life feels more stable and more consistent and instead of like actually maddening yourself by constantly gaslighting yourself into thinking oh i don't want a sandwich maybe a glass of water or a breath of fresh air Mm -hmm. when like Mm -hmm. what what nature is telling us is that like please feed me something of substance so that we can continue to do the tasks of the day and like keep you alive and well like those are actually very reliable cues life is pretty consistent even in its inconsistency Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and like by practicing trust, then you get to choose to partake and participate in that and experience it. And then that feels so much more like, um, well, what's funny is that I think like we don't trust because we're trying to like create a sense of control, but actually when Mm -hmm. you allow yourself to trust and you like settle into that consistency that already exists, there is what you wanted to get from trying to control, which is that like sense of safety or like, um, I want to say predictability, but it's like predictably unpredictable, but still it's like, Mm -hmm. uh, reliable. Yeah, totally. You know, Here's something. Let's talk about a red flag of okay. trust or of how trust is used. Um, so when we think about when we think about all of the systems that we are in, um, any system. Think about your school system, right? Um, school cheer. What's it called? Uh, school cheer. <laughs> only works when everybody's on board and so um oh my god for real like you think about the the flop of a pep rally you know like 
Yeah. And everyone's like too cool for that. And so then, yeah, because people get too cool for it. And part of the reason that I, at least in my experience, that a teenager is... Would, would maybe get too cool for something like that is because they are not experiencing what they are being asked to outwardly express. I don't feel <laughs> fucking school spirit, but you're wanting me to be like, rah, rah, uh, uh, I go to school here. You know, like, what? <laughs> Lady Gaga cheers. <laughs> Lady Gaga <laughs> at school, it was me. And so, like, my red flag for, and I kind of use this for myself, and it's experience-based and also something that I'm willing to negotiate as it comes up now because I feel more flexible in this now in my life. Um, but going into anything that says you'll get the most out of this if you put away your resistance, if you put away your skepticism, and if you just trust me. Mm. If you just trust me. That to me is a red flag because because and Ruby, I want you to talk about um, I want you to talk about how that is inequitable. Well, when you said red flag, this is exactly what I thought of first also is like situations where, yeah, like the premise that is set in front of you is like, just just trust me and Mm -hmm. without giving any sense of empowerment to the individual's trust of themselves so when when it feels like someone is like taking all the trust for themselves and it's outside Mm -hmm. of you that's the red flag that's how we end up with cult leaders that's how we end up with so many bad (laughs) abuses of power and it's and it's inequitable because like yeah it's like there's no there's um the opportunity for you to trust yourself is literally being taken away from you. It's the opposite of empowerment, but it's being positioned in a way that is like false empowerment, right? It wants you to think Mm -hmm. that if you put all of your trust and confidence in this multi-level marketing scheme or this individual person, that then you're going to get everything you've been looking for. And it asks for this sense of blind trust when it's like Mm -hmm. what builds trust actually is it's kind of like this chicken or the egg situation, right? Like you need proof in order to like solidify your trust, but also you have to like wiggle out a little and like do a little risk taking and like say like, okay, I'm going to practice trust and then like allow the universe to like meet you with proof or like allow yourself to see the proof Mm -hmm. so that then it can like snowball. So then you're like all like you're practicing trust. Like sometimes your trust gets compromised and like, you're like, okay, I can't trust that person. Or maybe it's the situation. Maybe the boundaries weren't clear. The proof didn't show up in the way that I needed to be supported. But then in this other way it does. And then like, I'm looking for the proof. And so then I can trust in this other way. And it really like plays and builds upon each other. But this idea that someone would be like, put what you actually know to feel natural in your body and like should be trusting, which is like the skepticism or the questioning or like the yeah. the, the lack of surety. Just to ask someone to set that aside is literally asking them to, yeah, just blindly enter into something that they have like no context for. And I think like... So, like, a much better thing to be listening for is... Like, an act of self-betrayal. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. for me, what it feels like you're asking me to do. And I think... And, like, maybe what they mean to be asking for is just, like, open to participation. 
<laughs> but that's where like the way you say it or like how you convey it and how you like conduct yourself in whatever container it is really matters because that's how you end up with people who have all like a group of people who have all betrayed themselves and are therefore at the mercy of whatever brainwashing <laughs> they're receiving totally. like I'm totally yeah. going into like the darkest piece of it but like that's even happening on like a lighter level like I think about these multi-level marketing schemes and how it's just like how do those work and it's because you know like part of it is because like we want to know that we can trust something and so like as humans right and so for because there's a sense of safety that is associated with this idea of trust. absolutely and it's true that when we are in the practice of trust there is more freedom and more safety but in in a different way than it's conveyed to us um Mm -hmm. in these like red flag situations because the safety comes from i've seen the proof i feel comfortable in this way my intuition is telling me this i know that this is very natural i'm like trusting my natural skepticism i'm trusting myself and so then i can like choose how i participate and show up and then that builds trust over time Totally. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I could really go off on the like misuse of power in, um, in like partnership with like using the word trust in the wrong way towards people. Totally. Ugh. You want to do it? I mean, it? I think I just did. <laughs> All right. I liked it. You know, and like, okay, so let's, I'm going to just, I'm going to rephrase what you said, Ruby, and put it into like, so for instance, say you get a trainer. And you go to your trainer and you say, maybe you have a goal, but maybe, how do you really, so, okay, I'm a trainer. (laughs) And a lot of people come to me because they say, um, a lot of people come to the gym because they say, I want to lose weight. And you're like, why? And then they're like, I don't know. I want to, I just want to feel better. And I'm like, okay, you don't actually have to lose weight to feel better. So do you want to lose weight or do you want to feel better? Which by the way, I don't help clients lose weight. I, I don't specialize in that. And also I think that that's a harmful thing to specialize in. So here we go. Um, so, um, so then you're like, well, do you want to feel better? And they're like, well, maybe. And then, and then even that in itself is a challenging question for people. Cause what does it mean to feel better? How does that look? What is like, what could that be like? What, how could it be better if you felt better? What, what would be possible if you felt better? What would you do more of if you felt better? And people are like, oh, I might like play with my kids more. And I'm like, okay, maybe then we need to work on like strength and um, getting up and down off the ground. Maybe that's actually what you want to be able to do. Does that track? Um, and so like, even in that, there's a dialogue of like, what do you want? And then I have to resource myself as a professional and go, here's what I'm able to provide. Because if somebody comes to me and they're like, I'm here for a bodybuilding competition, I'm like, cool, I have no clue how to do that. That's not my area of expertise at all. Um, I don't want it to become my area of expertise. And I'm not going to tell you that I know how to do it. Because ultimately, if we entered into that relationship, and I told them, trust me, as your trainer, they will not meet their goals because I don't know how to do that. But then on the flip side where there's dialogue, if somebody comes in and they say, I want to feel better, we're doing an exercise together. And if they don't say to me, hey, Kate, this hurts me, then what we are practicing together. So they're like, hey, my knee hurts. If somebody doesn't say that to me, what we're practicing then is over and over. We are practicing hurting their knee. 
We are not practicing helping them feel better. So in order for me to do my job well, I have to trust and continue to ask clients, how is this for you? Like, yeah, if I didn't, I don't, Like sometimes it's nice when we can trust people to like just say how they are. That's, I want that in my life. I want for more of my friends to be like, hey, I didn't like it when you did that. Or hey, yeah, sorry. I'm just a little frustrated that this happened, but I'm over it and I love you and I know you didn't mean to. And I'm like, oh, okay. I want more of that. And though part of what my job is, is to do, how how are you? What's coming up? I'm kind of sensing this kind of thing for you. And then somebody gets to help me understand where they're at more. Um, so it's like a, it's a give and take. It's a dialogue. It's a nuance. Well, thing. and even that is building trust because you are creating the opportunity and then they get to practice sharing. Right. And so then you actually yes. get to trust and believe what they have to say to you. And then you're also yes. creating a dynamic that one day will allow the safety and the trust for there to be more fluidity but like that doesn't just like having friendships where that's happening doesn't just happen overnight right like we've been friends for we're getting on close to a decade and like we can be like that with each other now but that's because we've really practiced it on purpose of like and also time time is a really like Mm -hmm. valuable asset right it's like kate's been around for this long i can trust that like Kate's probably going to hang around. And also we like spend yeah, time. If I'm annoyed at her today, I can tell her that today and I bet she'll probably call me tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that yeah. we can like, we have created the container for each other over and over, over the years so that now it feels comfortable for each of us to like speak up on our own. But like, that's another one of these like, um, cyclical practice, right? It's a practice that is cyclical. Like, um, one of us opening the dialogue is required in order to like as an invitation and then meeting the invitation is required in order to create the space for another you know like question to be asked so like it all feeds on itself and it's um multifaceted in that way and then it's also like both parties of the relationship are responsible to building the trust okay so Yeah, the three main benefits that we just talked about then are what? Less anxiety, more ease, more consistency. And maybe take a moment um, to consider, like, what are the benefits of trust in your life? Like, how do they show up really tangibly and what does that look like? So, for example, as I mentioned, I recently got married. We had a wedding ceremony in Spain and it was just like some close friends and family, mostly friends. And the house that we stayed in was me, my partner, Kate, who officiated our wedding, my sister and her boyfriend, and my mom and her boyfriend. And it was a house full of people who have been in relationship with each other for a minute. We know each other well enough. We've spent time around each other. It was like a vacation for the first half of the week and then putting together a wedding on the second half of the week. And the trust that time had allowed us all to build gave everyone less anxiety more ease and more consistency when it came to putting together an event that was well honestly very moving and very beautiful and um stunning just really incredible um and it wouldn't have been that way without that sense of trust between the seven of us 
in the house um and also like that we could trust that every what people we could trust what each of us was good at and then allow each of us to like do what we were good at and like fulfill their roles and you know encourage and remind each other when we needed to but also like we knew it was all going to get done and so I just want to speak to um time as an element of trust and that I think I think like part of the myths and then even getting into like why the benefits work is like as humans we want everything to be instant gratification we want to be like trust me and you trust me or we want to be like I want to trust you so like just don't cheat on me and then I can just like trust you because I know that that's not happening and really it's like over time we're building trust like a muscle with each other and it is really a practice that we put in over time together through the ups and downs of a relationship that then allow it to take shape in a way that is deep and meaningful and really leads to um like impactful connection between one another yeah i just want to speak to time time as an important element of trust that leads to the benefits that we've spoken to and also like um demystifies the myths that we've talked about totally and that like trust or sorry that time um there's clunky periods of this there's clunky periods of like creating a trusting relationship with somebody because you have to kind of like iron out some details and that's okay for there to be clunkiness and what it should and can feel like is that ease is coming i trust that this sense of ease is coming if i do this work Mm. now and there's some discernment that has to take place in Mm -hmm. that big time So the self-study program gives you a sense of what trust feels like through reflection and by giving you tools and practices and skills to build trust with yourself, which then gives you access to a foundation of inner sensing so that you can really like connect with your intuition in a way that you can tell when trust is or is not present um, out in the world and then make choices about whether or not to stay open, whether that feels appropriate or not, because the trust that you've built with yourself is solid. Totally. Um, and I do want to go over those seven elements of trust from Brene Brown. Um, you know, I love me some Brene Brown. I like the way she feels clear and concise. I like the way that she organizes things. It makes sense in my brain. If that's not how you feel, that is totally cool. You don't have to feel (laughs) the same way that I feel about it. Um, But she has taken... So part of the, the way that they figured... The way that they did this work was by going like, what are the elements of trust? And then Brene loves a acronym. So the acronym that they came up with is braving. And here is how we define trust. Um, So B stands for boundaries. You respect my boundaries. And when you're not clear about what's okay and not okay, you ask, you're willing to say no. The R is for reliability. You do what you say you'll do. At work, this means staying aware of your competencies and limitations so you don't overpromise and are able to deliver on your commitments and balance competing priorities. And I would say that that also is applicable in the home. <laughs> totally. Yes. I rely, I can rely on you to show up and be a um, member of this mm-hmm. household. 
Um, accountability. You own your mistakes. You apologize and you make amends. Accountability is something that we love to do like to other people. We're like, I'm holding you accountable to this. Well, and here's the deal is I'm glad to be held accountable by people in my life who also hold themselves accountable. Um, I have ma- I have major resistance in my body when somebody comes at me and is like, I'm holding you a- accountable to this thing. And I have experience of that person not holding themselves accountable to that very same thing. So what I'm down for in that situation is, hey, Kate, I'm trying to hold myself accountable to this thing. It's obviously easier for me to see it when somebody else does it. And you've just done this thing that I'm trying to hold myself accountable to. Are you interested in also holding yourself accountable to this thing that I'm trying to hold myself accountable to? (laughs) And that's what I'm talking about. Those like clunky conversations though. Like sometimes they are clunky and they are like, they are a skill that you have to practice is having those like, hey, this for me is like this. This, Can we blah, blah, blah. Is it okay? You know, like practicing those things but again that's exactly what the self-study podcast is for that's exactly what the self-study practice is for that one-on-one coaching you know the program the whole nine yards so yes that is a skill and anyways element of trust accountability the v stands for vault you don't share information or experiences that aren't yours to share so this is like confidentiality right and like what i think about is the opposite of a vault is someone who's like really gossipy who you like you know that they're gonna go to their other circle of friends or someone else and like air out all your dirty laundry and and a vault is someone who you know that um what you're sharing with them is is being held in like regard that they really um i don't know an expression of a vault is someone who like when you share something you feel like they really like respect your time and energy, no matter what it is that you've decided to share. Yeah, and also that there's a respect for the vulnerability that's Mm, present mm -hmm. here. Like, I respect the fact that you've just been vulnerable with me and that if you wanted to tell that to everybody, you probably already would have told it to everybody, but you're telling it to me and it has a lot of feelings behind it or something. You know, like, yeah, that's a vulnerable thing. Let me know if... Do you want me to talk about this in public with people? Do you not want me to? You know, all of that. Ooh, integrity, one of my favorite things. Um, You choose courage over comfort. You choose what is right over what is fun, fast, or easy. And you choose to practice your values rather than simply professing Mm -hmm. them. Y'all, in the world of the internet, internet performativity, you know, like all of those things. And you know what? Even... I'm leaning towards more and more and more in my life at this point and partially because where we are like in this time is that because the internet gives us so much access to information, something that I'm learning and experiencing is that a lot of people take in this information and then they use the words in their life. They use words like integrity in their lives. But then I'm like, hold the phone. I need to see integrity. Show me I need the to receipts. Experience. Show me the integrity receipts. And so like, yeah, it's not in integrity is not what is what people say. It's not in what people say. It is in how they show up. So that's a distinction on integrity. Yeah, I think that's a distinction for like every every piece of this. this, Right. It's like not about what we say or um, or even like the choose to trust the the choose the choice to trust. It's about 
showing up and then like giving people Mm -hmm. the space and opportunity to show up and paying attention to these seven elements the next one being non-judgment i can ask for what i need and you can ask for what you need and we can talk about how we feel without judgment it's just like that neutrality that you hear us talk about it's like holding a neutral ground for each other so that nothing is like off limits yeah and the other thing about non-judgment i feel like is um judgment turns the conversation to a conversation about oranges into a conversation about apples and and honestly often no longer oranges but like you're trying to talk about oranges and all the other all of a sudden the other person has some kind of judgment about that and then they're unable to hear what you're saying i'm sure we like i have just certainly experienced this i'm sure we all have um but when you're going like hey it kind of hurt me when you did this and then the other person is like yeah well i don't really think that you should be hurt about that and then by the way you also do this other thing that hurts me you're like damn what the fuck i was just trying to talk about my shit but now you know so that's what that's what the sense of like judgment feels like or like um yeah anytime somebody comes back with you with a should Mm -hmm. that's a judgment Mm -hmm. well you should have blah 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 well you should have said something you know and it's like well fuck you know that makes me feel like i can't trust you and i can't tell you this thing because you're judging Mm -hmm. me Uh, The last one is generosity. You extend the most generous interpretation possible to the intentions, words, and actions of others. I find this one to be tricky these days, especially because um, I am a big believer in that our impact matters more than our intent does. And I don't know if you read um, the recent post that I made on the self-study pages, but like something that can also get me to a place of healing and a place of compassion is when I can understand the other person's intention. Because at least I can understand, how did you try to care for me in this situation? Um, And that can lead to a lot of love. And so there is a benefit to understanding someone's intention. And there's also a benefit in conflict resolution in understanding the other person's intention because you're understanding more about what's important to them. So... And just as a recap, the seven elements of trust, boundaries, reliability, accountability, vault, integrity, non-judgment, and generosity. Yeah. And I know I've said this, but what feels so present is just how none of those things are like quick to figure out or quick to see. They all require consistent showing up and a messy middle, as Brene would say. Yes, the messy middle. And also, um, you know, those are literally in themselves all themes, you know, that could be broken down one one at a mm-hmm. time. So, mm-hmm. okay. I'd love to tell a story about um, how trust has shown up for me recently. Um, okay, so let's see. As you know, I've been in this coaching program. And as you probably also know, I have been in a lot of programs like this and um, I entered into this program hoping for like, I was like, wow, I'm really excited to be around like peers. I'm excited to be around peers. And um, so I, I enter into this coaching program, blah, blah, blah. We had our, the first weekend of this coaching program, I had a terrible experience with one of the facilitators of the program. And something that is important to note is that this program talks a lot about relationship. 
And so in relationship to me, I do agree that there has to be an element of trust um, because otherwise then what is the relationship? If nobody trusts anybody, then what is the relationship? Um, and trust in what, right? Like, what do I trust you to do? And, and like Ruby was talking about, like in power dynamics, there's a lot of, um, inequitable asks of trust. Like as the facilitator, there's, there was an expectation seemingly from my perspective within the program that like, hey, we expect you to trust the facilitators. But for me, I didn't have any good reason to do that. Plus, on the very first weekend, I had this awful interaction with one of the male facilitators. So then I had a mentor coach who I had been working with the whole time. And so I had shared with her, like I had this bad experience. And then all of a sudden, I had a different kind of coach because they took me out of his group and put me into this other woman's group. But meanwhile, I never had a conversation with him about it. And and what I had what it felt like to me is like the thing was just hopefully going to get like brushed under the rug. Like maybe it wasn't that big of a deal and um and maybe we can kind of just like move on from this. But but part of a barrier for me in being able to move on from something like that is when we don't have what the like necessary conflict is like let's sit like what I wanted it and and what I needed the facilitators to ask me is like I need a conversation I need to sit down and talk about this because what I was able to say to them was like this feels bad and this shouldn't happen and you know like and I and even the other thing that's here with me and this is like because I had such a bad experience with this guy I am also recognizing that I am uh, have a lot of concerns about other people's experiences with this guy. Like, for instance, let me tell you one thing. He said, he was like, oh, when you smile like that, it just, like, makes me sense, like, your vitality. And at this point, we had just already had some conflict, and what it felt like for me was some fucking random man on the street telling me that I should smile more because it's good for the world. And I was just fucking furious about that. And, um... Anyways, so no conflict resolution. So by the time we get to the final weekend, we're in person for the first time. This is why I just went to San Francisco, was in San Francisco. And all of a sudden, I find myself, we've been split off into two groups. I find myself in the other room with the people that I have not been working with all year long because the guy who I had had the conflict, I wouldn't even call it conflict, the guy who was on some bullshit in <laughs> in session number one, he was supposed to be in my room on on the weekend, on the final weekend. Is, um, is this tracking, yes. Ruby? Making sense? Okay. But because the other facilitators knew that it had gone poorly with him, they just decided to put me in the other room with the people that I have not worked with all year across the board. I hadn't worked with anyone else in this room. And for context, what we're doing this final weekend is we're doing a live coaching session and then we're supposed to be receiving feedback from the facilitators. And receiving feedback is fucking vulnerable. Like it's hard to receive feedback, especially, um, not especially anything, Get just receiving feedback on something that's important to you that you've put a lot of time and energy and effort into is challenging, no matter your line of work. Um, and I don't think that that's acknowledged enough, the challenge that it is to receive feedback. And so like, um, and so all of a sudden, I felt like, 
wow, I have fucking nobody in this room who I trust is, is able to support me. Like, and so therefore I'm like, wow, I feel like I can't really get the benefits out of this group because I even recognize it. Like I have my defenses up when it comes to receiving this feedback that I know I'm going to get. And so, um, I actually shared that. I shared that with Um, my mentor coach who was in the other room, she wasn't even going to be the person giving me any feedback who I had received a lot of feedback from her throughout the year. And we'd been able to have dialogue about it so that we, and you know, I, I felt like I made a lot of progress with her in that way. Um, cause it felt very like co-creation-y. Um, and so I told her, I was like, damn, it just, I feel like you guys have pretty much just dropped me every single step of the way. Like I feel hurt I've yeah I feel like you guys haven't thought about me at all and and that like you I I have not experienced relationship in practice like you say that this coaching work is all about and she was like damn you know like we really just like we've missed it with you every step of the way haven't we and and her taking the beat to acknowledge that really helped me because I immediately was was like, yes, you have, you have missed the mark every step of the way. And I really appreciate you acknowledging that. And though the, the pain that I was left with was this sensation of like feeling dropped because that's ultimately like what it came to feel like. And I don't know, you know, the way that like sand like sifts through your fingers that's like what it was feeling like for me. And I was the sand that was just getting dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. I was just getting sifted through. But other people I felt like were having these like beautiful, tender relationship moments. And I was somehow like outside of that. And so it did feel very tender and it felt really raw for me. And and so I was in San Francisco and staying in this like super walkable place you know area and I had noticed a bunch of Vietnamese shops around and I was like damn I need a bond meet and so I was like I at that night I was walking home and I was just crying it had been a big heavy emotional vulnerable weekend and then I was just crying and I went to this bond me shop and I ordered I sat down outside this old San Francisco white guy with like one wandery eye you know like you know I don't know it's just one of these like old city guys and he walked up to me and he was like how's your day and my immediate reaction was like fuck me this guy's about to sit down and suck up all the energy in my little at my little table while I wait for this sandwich to come out and I just want to be crying and I don't know so he said something about something and I said whatever I said it with the energy of like please walk away from me and he did. He just walked he walked away from me. And then maybe like six minutes later, he came back and he asked me if he could sit down. And I was like, I guess. And then turns out his name was Mickey. Mickey moved to San Francisco in 1969. He's been there his entire adult life. And I ended up just like normally I kind of will dry up from something like that. Like I'll get, do the, get my shit together so that I can talk to this fucking stranger and not be just crying, but I couldn't get it together. And so I just was crying at him and I was just telling him, I was like, this is what I've been going through. I'm in one of these fucking programs out here. This is how I've been feeling. This is what's happening. And, and he listened to me, 
you know, he was really listening to me and he was engaging with me and he was like sharing with me about his experience, but not in a, not in a way that was requiring any emotional labor for me, just in like a human to human. Wow. Even just like right now, I'm like tearing up, you know, angel baby. And he held space for me so well. And I asked him, I was like, what would you be doing tonight? You know, like, why are you here? What are you doing? And he was like, well, I was going to, you know, make myself some dinner at home. But then I decided that I really needed to go for a walk. And then I saw you sitting here. And then, you know, I just felt like he was like, who wouldn't want to sit and talk to you? Like, so, yeah, of course, I just wanted to sit and talk to you. And so the reason that I guess I came out of my house today is to talk to you. And this was just like. It was such a like universe moment to me. What it felt like was like, because what I really was experiencing was like, wow, I feel so alone. I feel so alone here. I feel misunderstood. I feel unseen, unheard, All just all of it, just totally dropped. And what it felt like was like, yeah, maybe I was being dropped by this program and by these particular facilitators, but then the universe like put out one of those like, I don't know, the first thing that comes to my mind is like a cloud or like, you know, in a gymnastics room, those big like pads or whatever, you know, that you, a foam pit even, you know, it was like the universe put out this like soft mat for me to just land on. And, and so like, yes, the falling, but also the catching was happening like all at the same time. And maybe not the catching, but the holding. And then, you know, like my sandwich came, we probably talked to each other for like 30, 40 minutes. Um, but then my sandwich came and we hugged and I, and for the, you know, I'm not much of a hugger because I often feel like people want to hug me, but I'm sometimes like, damn it, I didn't actually want to hug you back. But I asked him for a hug, you know, and especially, you know, like some random guy on the street I'm not very likely to talk, <laughs> but we just like had this really beautiful hug and embrace, and it was, it just felt like such a universe moment and such a necessary reminder that like I needed, and I did have that like push and pull of, should I, should I just tell this guy what I've been doing today? You know, he's the one who came to sit sit down with me. Like, why do I feel like I have to like? hold space for him as if he's one of my coaching clients. Like, I don't actually have to do that. And besides, I have all this other stuff going on and I'm not even, I like can't hold space for him. And so I was like, cool, Kate, hold space for yourself. Like make space here. Let this guy hold space for you. And I did. And we had this like, so the next day then was like the last day you know what? So I had that experience with him. I went home and then I had another experience with one of the people who lived at my Airbnbs. And it was a beautiful, tender, tender moment. Like I was in the middle of washing my face and and he was kind of like, his name is Joseph. And by the way, we've been texting, which is so sweet. He's asked all about the trip and all about (laughs) your wedding, Ruby. (laughs) So we've sent pictures. But like he shared with me, 
um, he was just so pissed because he had seen somebody like kick some trash into a into like an unhoused person's like face, and he was just furious about it. And he had ended up talking to the to to the house the the person yeah. guy without a house. Yeah, he ended up talking to that guy and being like, you know, and they really talked about like what it's like for him, and that had been a really tender moment for the for Joseph, and we were able to like connect on that and it felt like it felt like a very like heart to heart conversation instead of like a head to head conversation which is what I'm so used to having like out in the world and it was by the time I got to the program the next day you know they they were like okay like invite somebody supportive to like be here with you in this moment just like energetically and mine was this guy, Mickey. Like, we didn't exchange contact. I'm never going to see this guy again in my life. But, like, yeah, Mickey cha- Mickey was a moment for me, you know, and a moment that's going to impact a lot of other moments for me. And there was – and it was a trust thing, you know. It was the universe going, Kate Moore, I'm out here. And you got to kind of trust that I'm doing it. So here's a little moment. And that's really what it felt like. And I feel like – um Yeah, I feel a little bit more resilient than I used to. I feel like um I feel like I feel less afraid now of being dropped by systems or by facilitators or by people in authority authority figures because I have less trust that's I have less trust of I won't get hurt and I have more trust of the universe is here for you and I have more trust of I can say all my shit and it maybe isn't that then I'll get held by the person in authority or held by the program or held by the facilitators but I am held in the world and then like the next day we did um we did this we like went around the room you know, and for me, it was all these people I hadn't worked with all year long. And we did like appreciations. It took hours, like four hours for us to get through all the people. And one of the guys was like, Kate, I appreciate about you that you because I told everybody about Mickey, like when they asked, like, you know, who's who did you invite energetically into the room today? I was like this guy named Mickey. And everybody was like, what? And I was like, I guess I'll tell you all the story of my bond me. <laughs> And so he was like, you go out into the world and you have come back here every day with some like wild life experience. You know, like one day I I got on a lift and I like one of those bikes, you know, and I rode myself down to the beach and I came back and I had had an experience at the beach, you know, and that, you know, felt like it mattered. And, and maybe not. Yeah, if it mattered, it did matter. It felt, you know, it impacted me. And just as we all do all the time to each other. And so it was a reminder of that A, just by existing, I impact the world. And by doing all of this work to trust myself, I make spaces better for me, for the people around me, and for the future of people who will go through this program. Because this program, they received a lot of feedback from me. And it was all personal. And so I was able to go like... Yeah, these are some major overarching issues that I see here. And also, this is how it impacted me personally. And, you know, if you guys say that you care about relationships, then 
then either you have to get honest about that you don't care about me, which is one thing, or that you don't know how to make this better. And so then in both of those things gets to be growth for both of us. Because if they're like, you know what, Kate, you did really get on our nerves and none of us were interested in being in relationship with you. You know, like that is still just, that to me is just still true. Like, okay, wow, that helps me release the energy that I have about how you did such a bad job doing that, you know, like, wow, if you can be honest that you don't care, that helps me trust you, you know, that's boundaries. Mm -hmm. That is. And also, if they're like, no, we really do. We really do care about you. And we did not our intentions were not aligned with our impact. We can only go up from Mm -hmm. here. And that is Mm -hmm. a good thing. So I just felt like the unfolding of the The unfolding of me going, oof, I'm having some major resistance, some major skepticism in this program. How is this impacting me personally? Expressing all of that to them. And then the universe handed me Mickey. And the most incredible bond me I've ever had in my life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the way that honesty is such a, like a clarifier and then gives way to Mm -hmm. like, like you said, like it gives access to trust no matter what the honest piece is, right? I think, like, that's what we're all looking for anyway, yeah. right? Is that, like, other people, ourselves, nature, to be honest with us. And yes. then we can, like, trust that. Yeah. You know, wow, excuse me. Um, You know, that makes me think of, like, vegetables. I didn't have a good tomato. I Growing up, I always would have been somebody who said, like, I don't like tomatoes because grocery store tomatoes they're are awful. trash. But I have a <laughs> – they're awful. But I have a friend here who gardens just wildly all the time. And she gave me a tomato one time, and she was like, they're like candy, you know, just little cherry tomatoes. Oh, I was going to show the podcast <laughs> my new cherry tomato tattoo. Um, but she was like, go pick one. They taste like candy. And I was like, I don't believe you. Because that hadn't been my experience. However, the ones that are grown in organic, yummy soil that get to take the time that they take that are nurtured by the gardener. So the gardener is doing appropriate pruning, blah, 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 blah. They're not rushed to grow. Those are the ones that are the sweetest. They taste the best. They're delicious. But then when we rush the growing process, when we put things under artificial light, they don't turn out very good. That's just it. We got to like trust mm-hmm. the timing of the things. Nothing, I mean, rice cooks well under pressure. Honest tomatoes. Honest tomatoes. <laughs> Those little sweet ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's not about, um, it's not about, I feel like there's an element of all growth that has pressure, but it's more about the environment being conducive to uh an unfolding you know or like the natural process that kind of like honest expression yeah so one of my favorite visuals um and honestly like a main takeaway for me for this program uh is the idea and visual of like a bud because ruby i think we can get into the process of we could really debate the whole pressure thing we could get going on like whether pressure is necessary but and also like you probably heard me and Ruby talking about like 
sometimes we do have to get up to like our threshold of something, right? Like something's okay, it's okay, it's okay, until it's suddenly not. And then you have to like take a step over the threshold, say the thing that you need to say, express what needs to be expressed, whatever. And that's kind of, that's like um, what I so mean of, by pressure, you know, that there's like, um, there's like a, there's almost like a switch in like most pieces of growth where it's like when the grass yeah. sprouts up from the ground or, you know, like. Yeah, it takes pressure for the thing to get out of the seed, mm-hmm. whatever it is. There is that pressure that like help can at least get you to the next place. And if it's always pressure, then that's never good. Anyways, so one of my favorite visuals takeaways from this program was this idea of like the way that we develop, the way that personal development works, the way that growth happens is like if we think of ourselves as like a bud and the way that like when a bud is blossoming, it softens and it opens a little bit, but then at nighttime it like contracts a little bit. And so it's this opening and this contraction, the necessary opening and the necessary contraction that happens throughout the process of blooming or throughout the process of developing that's necessary and what my experience with Mickey was I had I was really feeling in like a contracted phase and something about his presence and meeting him and having that interaction what it felt like was a really tangible invitation for me to soften and almost like, it was like, okay, what would happen if you kept opening up a little bit? And I was like, oh, I actually kind of feel like I can do that. And so, yeah, it's okay if we feel contracted in moments. And it's okay if we feel like we're blooming in moments. It's part of the, like, evolution. We're part of an evolutionary process of developing and eventually dying and then composting and doing it all over again. And I trust that that is the process. Okay, so we like to wrap it back to you and your experience. So um, consider what is trust like for you? Like, how do you know when it's there? How do you not? And we have a little exercise for you to help you practice. Okay, so an exercise you can do is simply a journaling exercise. Consider for yourself, what do you believe about trust? Take some time to journal on it. Do you find yourself too trusting, not trusting enough? Who do you trust? What types of people are trustworthy? What sort of behaviors help you to trust someone else? When do you trust yourself? When do you not? How would you like describe your trust of yourself? Um, And maybe you even are able to notice like an area with yourself that you desire to cultivate more trust. And then what would that look like? If you could trust yourself in X, Y, Z, What do you imagine that uh, would be better because of it? And then how can you do that? Like, is there one small way that you could act on it? And so like one way to consider it, um, or maybe like another exercise you could try with yourself in building that trust is to simply list out feelings or sensations and then meet them with what is the need and then fulfill that need for yourself. And that's a really good, like, day-to-day practice that you can um, cultivate with yourself. That the consistency and the showing up and then, like, the the constant curiosity gives a foundation of trust within yourself. Yeah. 
Another one that I love is practice balancing on one leg. So stand there, balance on one leg, and then and then it becomes a relationship between like, okay, what are the rules that you've just imposed on yourself? Are you not allowed to put your foot down? Are you? Do you have to be still? Can you be moving? Can you touch something? Can you hold on to something? Like, what would it be like to balance on one leg? to trust yourself to balance on one leg and to trust yourself to meet your needs as they come. So like, what if you're balancing on your left leg and your right leg is like swinging all around? What do your arms want to do? So like just playing with like, um, your, what's that called? Center of gravity. And like you coming back to that space, play with it. What is trust like in your actual body? Yeah. And as you do that, I love that. As you do that exercise, are you, how, yeah, like how would you rate your practice of the seven elements of trust in that process? Oh, I love that, Ruby. That's a great idea. And the seven elements are boundaries, reliability, accountability, vault, integrity, non-judgment, and generosity. Yeah. Wow. We love that. Yes. This self-study program gives you the skills and techniques to explore your feelings, identify your needs, set boundaries, and communicate clearly and compassionately so that who you want to be aligns with how you show up. It offers a container for inquiry and self-discovery. It's a place for you to land. When you give yourself a framework for accountability, you open yourself to the possibilities that are awaiting you. It is a group coaching curriculum that fosters autonomy, yes and thinking, and meaningful connection. We do it together as a reminder that we are not alone. And enrollment for the self-study program will open pretty soon, so keep an eye out on that. Um, We start in March, um, but we will start enrollment just around like the holiday season. So in the next like month or two, be on the lookout for that. And we we keep our programs at a like we cap the amount of participants so that everyone gets the just like quality coaching and attention from the group coaching experience so that the container can be built on relationships um, within the group of people who sign up. So anyway, get on it. If you have questions about it now, please go ahead and reach out. We'd love to talk to you about it. Totally. And as always, Ruby and I have one-on-one coaching available, one-on-one self-study coaching available. Um, The podcast is always a great resource, the self-study pages, and then ultimately, yeah, the self-study program. We can't wait to see you there. We are trusting you to share this episode with one person in your life. And um, yeah, maybe it's someone you listen, uh, you could listen together or like, I don't know, you could treat our podcast like a book study kind of like you listen and then you like get together and talk about it. That'd be cool. Ruby, I love that idea. Okay, book squads. Let's go. Um, Don't forget to follow the... Is there such a thing as a podcast club? We should... We should There should should be a podcast club. I love that. Wow. Me too, Don't forget to follow The Duality Project on Instagram and TikTok at The Duality Project. Um, and you can write a testimonial in the show notes or go to the link. You know, honestly, if you even get something from the podcast, like maybe you haven't done our coaching yet, but you want to share with us, that's a great place to go and let us know how our dialogue has shown up for you and impacted you. You can also always email us at connect at the duality project.com. See you in the self study program.
I wish they could see that shimmy, but I then remembered that they couldn't. <laughs> well, Ruby just shimmied it out for you. Thanks for being here, Bye. everyone. <laughs> Bye.